Hey there, welcome to Bandits Keep. I'm Daniel. In this episode, we're going to go back to the roots of this podcast. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about my plans for the OD&D with Chainmail hack, which I have been playtesting, what's been going on there, and what I'm going to change in the future of it. Uh, and I'm also going to talk a little bit about Chainmail itself. I have kind of teased a couple times that uh, I have this idea, and I'm definitely going to do it where um, Chainmail itself becomes the game. And I kind of want to talk a little bit about why. I'm going to do that, or why I think it's a good idea, and why I would do that versus just the chainmail with OD&D, besides the fact that I just like to make new games. Like Anyways, here we go. Let's talk about the state of OD&D with chainmail. Uh, this is what I started, the topic I started talking about when I started this podcast, and then I kind of got to a point where I wanted to playtest it more, and we were doing a lot of other things, so I didn't do it, so I just started talking about other random stuff, which has been super fun over the last few months. But I think I'm going to want to buckle back down and get to it. Uh, so in the playtest, I've discovered a few things. Number one, I really like the system. I, I think if you haven't tried it yet, guys, I, I you know, it's free. You can download the playtest, if, if you want to call it, it's free. You can download it. You will need OD&D. And I guess you probably also need, I guess you don't actually need Chainmail, but it would be nice to have Chainmail. But you need the three first three books from OD&D to play uh, because there's a lot of references in there. But what I'm discovering is several things, some things that I were a little bit afraid of. <laughs> I said at one point that I really just wanted this to be a tack on supplement that, um, you know, again, like I just said, you would still need to buy OD&D and play it with OD&D. And this is just an alternate of the combat system because it's actually technically the combat system. But what I'm learning as we play test is there's a lot of little parts that you kind of want to explain more. You know, I like the idea of DMs creating their own answers, obviously. But as I mentioned before, with when I talked, I feel where I talked about where I talked about examples of play. I like the idea of the person creating the the game or the modifier to uh, the modification of the game to let me know how they intended it to be. I might not play it that way in the end. I might play it however I want to play it, but. I do like to know what they're thinking, right? Which is why I involve examples of play. But what I'm learning is that, you know, from uh, a while back where, where Nick, I don't know if you're still out there, Nick, Nick um, <laughs> it was playing the game and had some questions where we saw things, right? We saw things that Nick did that I thought were really interesting um, that I would, wouldn't have done that I think, I, like Protection from Evil, for instance, I thought that was a really cool uh, use of it. Um, we saw areas where he did exactly what I, what I did. And then you saw areas where he was a little confused or whatever, or did it a little differently. And that's fine. Again, I want the game to be so people can play it how they want. But as, as I'm looking through, I see things like, for instance, how does the man-to-man -man stuff really work out with the rest of the system in that, you you know, man-to-man -man using hit points, the rest of the system only using hit dice. I have some ideas on that, and I'll talk about that in a future episode. Um, also little things like, again, curing spells, how spells exactly work. I will say that the decision I made to not have saving throws as be a stat, but rather have them be part of the attack, I'm happy with. So I'm glad I did that. But then we've got things like my original concept of how to do traps and stuff where you would just set it as a certain number of hit dice that people would do and then make a saving throw. And if you had enough hit dice, you lived. If you didn't, you died. I don't really like that anymore. I think I'm leaning more towards setting up the traps as combatants. And I've actually seen this. I can't remember off the top of my head. If somebody knows, they can say, I've seen these even in earlier modules where they said something like, you know, the arrow trap fire is treated as a third level fighter or something like that. So that's how I'm going to kind of do it. So you might have a crossbow trap that's going to count as, you know, four like crossbow when it shoots. 
So we're going to make that modification. I've also in my play test decided with pit traps and stuff, for the most part, I'm doing things like when people fall in there, they might have their equipment break or something, you know, again, because I want this game to skew towards heroic. I, I know that it will be very deadly at early levels, like most old school type games, but I do want it to, to skew. I mean, most of the play tests we've been doing have been like third, fourth level, and it's really nice. I mean, it's, it's a very, you still realize you can die at any time. But you just have those amazing epic moments where it's like you're staring down 10 orcs and you know that's a very good chance that you're going to take them out and it's just really fun to do. So I like that, right? Then then there's other things like Holy Water that uh, I hadn't really considered or also coming from uh, Nick playtesting, the idea of using fire against something like a werewolf. So I want to start to to tighten up that stuff a little bit, uh, change around a few things. I don't know if in the last version I released, which I will release another version soon, uh, if I had added the unarmed, but I decided to create an unarmed uh, melee uh, state, if you will. But that way you're not, because otherwise, you know, <laughs> the way that I was doing it was, well, if you're just using your fist, then you're light, light foot. But then you're also light foot with a dagger and light foot with a hand axe. So, you know, I wanted to make the, the, the have some advantage to have at least having a dagger, because I think that's such, such a classic thing. So um, I made an unarmed chart and... Uh, yeah, I think I made it so that we basically, uh, we can, be, again, a very simplified unarmed combat. Uh, and I know because, for instance, <laughs> Jason, I know likes uh, barroom brawls and so do I, so I wanted to have that in there. Um, I had considered using man-to-man -man for that, and I think I might actually still work that out um, in the man-to-man -man combat, because I think that could be really fun. I mean, there's already a no armor, it would just be no weapon, right? We just have to add, oh I, oh, I did add it, I'm actually looking at my chart table now. I actually already added that. So there's a few things I want to add, but more importantly, those things are there. I think the things I need to, I guess what I'm going to get at here is that this is going to become a fantasy heartbreaker. <laughs> In fact, that is the working title. And I am going to actually go through and create or make this into a more fully functional game, um, mostly because things like spells, I want to be able to spell out <laughs> and also monsters. I feel like a lot of the monsters in Chainmail and in OD&D are different than how we perceive the monsters in modern D&D. You know, an orc, for instance, I'm, I'm, for some reason I'm riding on orcs a lot lately, but an orc to a modern D&D player, or if you're looking at a Pathfinder book or a 5e book or a 4e book, you're going to see these green kind of bulky guys that have the, the little, whatever, horn, horns like the, the, those teeth coming out of their jaws, those mandibles. Anyways, and they're like, oh, an orc, ha, ha, ha. Whereas, like, you know, Old school orcs are, are animals, you know, the pig-faced or, or some kind of animal mix hybrid with humans. And you've seen, I've also seen people play them as kind of distorted, kind of uh, cursed elves, which I think comes from Tolkien. Uh, somebody can tell me that because uh, I don't have that much of the history of that. But I think that there's a lot of um, a lot of stuff that I want to make a little more specific, um, especially the spells, though. So that's the next thing I'm going to work on. I'm going to go through the um, the spells and start to rewrite them as they should work or should work or how they would work interacting directly with the uh the system itself so that way we see like okay what does read magic exactly do in this version of the system what exactly does hold portal do and those kind of things right so uh, you know some of it's just going to be um 
just kind of re rewording what's there uh, at, for now, because I'm just going to standard go through and do exactly what I said I don't like what people do, which is I'm going to go through and just keep all the spells, and I'm going to go through and re rewrite them so that it, I have one working document. And then I'm going to go through and remove spells I don't think are necessary and add some spells that I think could add some more sword and sorcery flavor, because I feel like that this goes that way even with the... Um, with the nature of OD&D still keeping it more kind of a little more high fantasy. So anyways, I will, I'm going to record another segment now talking a little bit about heroes and chainmail, and uh, let's get to that. Okay, let's talk heroic. So one of the things that uh, I think is very interesting, you know, being in the part of or following, I don't know where it could be, OSR, I think a lot of people will put me in the OSR category. I think Jason even called me a grognard of all things. I don't know about that, but <laughs> um, <clears throat> what I think is interesting um, is that we often think of this OSR type um, space as these very, very weak characters that are just struggling to get by, can barely make it, um, which is cool. And, and granted, that is kind of uh, where we begin in a lot of games like that. But if we go back to the original source material, or even, um, you know, I was watching a video for Tim Kask the other day, and he often throws out this thing where he, you know, he, where he says, you know, people doing daring do, which I love. That's such an old-fashioned statement. I love that, Tim. Anyways, um, yeah, these heroes, right, were heroes. They were badasses, right? Conan, for instance... It was tough, right? He could survive. I mean, he failed sometimes, as I've mentioned before, but he was exceptional, right? Farford and the Grey Mouser, again, they get themselves into a lot of trouble, but they're excellent swordsmen. They're good at what they do, right? You look at uh, most, I think, of the heroes. Robin Hood's an excellent bowman, also an excellent swordsman. You know, Sinbad is exceptional. You've got all these really exceptional heroes that we want to emulate and if we want to do that in our games, how do we do it? So I think little by little, what D&D has done, as I've seen it, you know, again, I'm no historian, I say that all the time, is they took a base model and they started adding more stuff to it to try and emulate this. And my uh, proposal here... <laughs> is that they went in the wrong direction. You know, the more I've been playing Chainmail, uh, OD&D hack that I'm, I'm working on, um, get back on it again, the more I realize that even even like OD&D itself is cool, and I love it with the hack, but Chainmail itself is it can be such a great resource. Uh, somebody just commented on one of my videos, um, you know, one of their favorite things is that, or I think it was in the movie they were talking about specifically, but like Gandalf rising up with a magic sword, striking down orcs, right? And that can't happen in OSR D and D or whatever, right? And most people think now in modern D and D uh, with certain defeats or certain combinations of classes, sure you can do that. But if I flip back to um, Chainmail, in Chainmail, wizards fight as two armored foot. Okay, so armored foot for people who don't know is that like somebody wearing plate mail. So a wizard is going to fight as strong as two soldiers in plate mail, and they are capable of using. Here we go, find it. In normal combat, all this class—they say all this class because there's a couple of different versions of it. All this class will fight as two armored foot or two medium horses if mounted. 
uh, medium horses would be like a, a horse, you know, that for the regular soldiers, that'd be like somebody with a sword and a horse. So equal to a man, right? Um, and wizards can handle magical weaponry. Okay. So unlike D&D, where they decided that the, the, the wizard and or the magic user and the cleric cannot use wep different various weapons, which I, I honestly think was because they wanted to put more emphasis on the fighter and also because magic swords, and we've talked about this before, are the mo one of the most common items in OD&D. So if you made magic, I think magic swords and scrolls are the two most common. So like if you made wizards able to use magic swords, then you're going to have a situation where the wizards are going to just dominate. I mean, they dominate anyways, because uh, in old, most old school games, <laughs> magic is very powerful, even though I think a lot of people who come to it the first time will look at it and say they don't have a lot of spells, but they don't, but they're really powerful spells. The same is true in chainmail. They don't have a lot of spells. They've, they've got, if you play the, the basic chainmail, they've got like a fireball or a lightning bolt. They can turn invisible and they can see in the dark, right? Those are the abilities of, of a wizard. But if you use the chainmail casting system, which I think is really interesting, which is a roll for cast, as I've, <laughs> if you follow any other of these podcasts, you probably hear me saying I don't like roll for cast. But I think, again, it depends on the game and the situation and the spells. Um, in this case, if we look at the spells that are available, um, most of them, obviously, Chainmail being a war game, the spells are designed for battlefield control. So there's no magic missile, you know, there's no, uh, I mean, there's lightning bolt, but that's for zapping huge amounts of troops and stuff. So Chainmail creates this situation where you can have this powerful war wizard, right, as a, as a character, if you were to, to play Chainmail and use these, these characters. It also creates, you know, the hero, right? The hero in Chainmail, uh, has several things going for them. They've got kind of like, I'm going to go over this more. I think I'm going to actually go through Chainmail and as I start to pull it apart into a sword and wizardry, sword and wizardry, <laughs> sword and sorcery game. But heroes in Chainmail, number one, they inspire the troops. So any of their troops have a, a, a higher morale, right? Which is pretty cool. And again, you might be like, why does that matter? But, you know, in these kind of uh, stories, that is important, right? They are rated based on whatever they're wearing right but they fight as well as four men and and again when i say men here because men's written that they're human you know if you're playing and you want to have a female character or i guess even a dwarf you could have a heroic dwarf um you could treat it that way but but because of that it's it's equivalent if you're thinking if you never play chainmail and you're thinking of a regular rpg it'd be like if a regular person can attack you once with their sword a hero could attack you four times basically it has to do with the number of dice they throw but in addition to that, they can only be killed when they're they're hit four times simultaneously, which basically means that you can have these situations where if you've got three uh, guards, right, the, your average soldier is only going to have one die to roll. They can only roll one die, right? If these three guards are coming at uh, Conan with a sword, right, and Conan's in a loincloth and has a dagger, they can't kill him. He's he's unkillable by them because they can't roll enough dice to do it. Now, if they come at him with uh, with larger weapons like pole arms and stuff, they have a chance, but not that good of a chance. So essentially what you're looking at is situations where you can do these amazing sword and sorcery games where you've got these awesome heroes, right? And, and again, they're not some, uh, you know, farmer that picked up a you know the end of their rake to went out there and to 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 with the rest of the 30 villagers and only two survived and you get this dcc funnel going on 
they are heroes right from the beginning. I mean, I guess you could, in the, in the way I'm putting the game together, you're going to play as heroes, right? Also, there's not a whole lot of magic. There are wizards and they're rare, but the wizard, uh, you know, nobody else really has magic. It, you can strip back all the, the funky races if you want, which is what I'm going to do. And you've got magic armor, magic swords, but they're very specific and very rare. Um, so I think that ties into it. And things like where magic swords give you the ability to fight uh, against different types of creatures or, or bonuses against them, I think is super important, super interesting. So I guess what I'm getting at here is that I think, it, I'm guessing, I mean, obviously I wasn't there, <laughs> nor did I experience most of most of D&D, right? I like, basically just played basic and then first edition and then fifth. Um, you know, we went from really tough to survive, work your way up, you know, uh, to become heroic and powerful uh, at the lower, you know, with OD&D, to you start off kind of a little bit more, I'll say a lot more heroic, um, for lack of a better word, in 5th edition. But if you roll all the way back to Chainmail and you played a hero, um, you were powerful. Now, I guess, you know, the, the, the legend is that I've heard many times, which I don't think is true now, the more I look at these, or it can't be 100% true, is that uh, in Dave Arneson's group, they they added hit points because they didn't like the characters kept dying with one hit. But if that was the case, they must have been playing foot soldiers and not heroes. So the solution would have just been to play heroes. Um, so I don't know if that was true or how true that was. But in any case, there there's also... Um, you know, the idea that, uh, which I'm using in my OD&D chainmail game, uh, is that some creatures have X number of hits, they take uh, cumulative to die. So that was already in the game anyway. So it wasn't called hit points, obviously, but that kind of stuff already exists in chainmail. You don't need any form of D&D to play what is essentially a D&D type game, but you can literally play it with chainmail. And that's going to be, I think, aside from, um, oh, one other thing. <laughs> Actually, I'll talk about that in another segment. But uh, aside from my other thing that I'm going to talk about, this is going to be, I think, I've been kind of bouncing around, just kind of having fun answering questions and throwing topics out. But I think I'm going to get back on track here um, and tighten up um, this podcast to be more about Chainmail and more about these older war games and, and maybe some different ones that uh, that we can use as uh, either as games in of themselves or ways to modify and, uh, and make our D&D game uh, a little bit different you know, a, a different direction. I kind of look at it as, oh, wow, okay. I'm going to use a kind of an odd example. This is the meta currency of, of RPGs. Imagine if we're back in 1974 and they rolled a certain number and they went the direction of OD&D. But imagine if uh, instead of when, uh, you know, Gary rolled that die, Dave went along with it. He was like, or vice versa. Uh, they were like, no, let me re-roll it. And they re-rolled it and they went a different direction. And that's where we're kind of kind of explore a little bit here. Uh, we're going to explore what would it be like if Chainmail itself was just, instead of creating a, a game of whole cloth, a whole cloth game from Chainmail and then using Chainmail as a combat system, if we just, I'm going to say that in a funny way, we're going to create an entire game based on Chainmail instead of just creating a game and then having Chainmail be the combat system. If that makes any sense. Hopefully it does, but uh, that's something I'm going to work on uh, in a podcast coming up. I'll kind of break this down. I'll get down I'll get these topics I'm talking about, the wizards and stuff. I'll talk about a little bit more, but let me know what you guys think so far of what I'm saying. Um, if you are missing or you don't understand parts of it, you may not have listened to the podcast from the beginning. So, um, 
You can listen to one of the earlier episodes where I go over the various types of combat, which also will become very important for a swords and sorcery game. You know, how do you do these crazy, awesome feats where Conan, you know, uh, has, a, has a, a strangulation contest, for lack of a better word, with an ape? You know, that's fantasy combat. So, anyways, uh, that's enough on that. And, uh, yeah, let's uh, get to another topic here. Okay, so there you go. Uh, let me know what you guys think. Uh, if you've got any other comments, if you have been trying the OD&D hack, or if you have this any comments about Chainmail in general, or any other like old wargamey things that you think might be interesting for me to look at. I'm already looking at Warriors of Mars, which, by the way, is super cool. Um, so yeah, I'm going to start playing around with this stuff a little bit. Um, also, I have a bunch of calls from my last episode, which I will put into the next episode, which hopefully I will do uh, for tomorrow. I just had these things on my mind, and uh, I figured I'd get them out there now. So thanks for listening, guys.